last time on Dice Funk. Is the reason for this bloody symbol of a god Gonador's doing? No. Is this related to the next form? Yes. What matters to you? Because I want to take it away before I kill you. My god, and I don't think you can take away my god. So again... (sighs) And this spell is designed to take very powerful beings and to make them do what we say, and being able to take control of whatever's coming would be really, really useful for us. What has arrived? What has arrived to replace guilt? The price of freedom is death. If there's anything this orb could do right now that she really wants it to, to help figure out which shards of the glass are Warden Light's shards. There is a explosion of golden light, and Zoe Legrand is gone. Golden paladins are coming! <laughs> is that happened sooner or later? Well, then I guess I'll hang back. Zoe Legrand has disappeared. Hey, buddy, old pal, old Donto. How? <laughs> hey. Hey. I hate boss rush modes. <laughs> Roll initiative. I think our team has a good chance of winning the tournament. The rival school is in town, but that doesn't mean that we don't have the right stuff to make it past this and go straight to the national championship. You know, you just have to believe in yourself, believe in your friends, and then do a cool sports anime montage at the end where you cross the finish line because you swam really good. And of course, one of the characters must have an, an unexplainable physical quirk about how they play the sport which never really gets explained properly, but it's just always kind of there. And and one of us has to break our own rule about how we do the sport and do it in a slightly different way, because we only do it one way, but now we did it a different way. I know a lot of people are very excited about My Hero Academia, but I gotta say, Yu Yu Hakusho still has the best tournament arc of all time. I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan of the tournament arc in free. I have heard good things about that show. That's not an arc. Those are curves. <laughs> That's the show with the beautiful boys, right? It's the one with all the swimming boys, yeah. I remember going to an anime con, seeing a bunch of girls getting body pillows based on that show. I'm just like, yep. I, I'm not afraid to admit, as as someone who like loved swimming and then didn't swim for like a decade, I watched Free and I'm... I did cry. I had a cry watching all the people <laughs> swim and being like, swimming is just so emotionally fulfilling. Oh. And wet. And wet. And wet, yes. Speaking about things that are emotionally fulfilling and wet, we have a D&D game to play, right? <laughs> oh, shit, I forgot about the show. Yeah. <laughs> we left it in the oven too long. Um, it's a bad bake, Mary. Not Al's all burnt. All right, so where we left this show, you guys were in a huge knockdown, drag out final battle for the heart of Ilium. There's about 170 people in this field of lilies throwing down, about 100 undead soldiers, vampires, and zombies, all possessed by devilish spirits. And then there are the people of Ilium fighting the good fight. But for our protagonists, you guys are currently facing down a zombie possessed by the spirit of Galen Kadun and a vampire possessed by the spirit of Count Danto. I'm just going to call them Galen and Danto for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And of course, they don't have all their memories, but their soul, their hatred for our heroes has been imprinted upon their souls. So they recognize you enough to come at you with bloodlust in their eyes. Specifically, Danto is going after his left and right hands, Stellarosa Legrand and Veltari, 
and Galen Cadoon is going after his fellow Order of the Merciful Sword people, Roland Hawklight and Mara Sladen. There is no negotiating with these fools. Let's roll initiative. I got a 17. 14 for Roland. 19 for Mara. 16 for Voltari. All right, so the order is Mara Sladen. Oh, shit. Then Stellarosa Legrand, then Veltari, then Roland, then enemies. Yeah, losers. So we're doing this all as one big fight, but it's kind of two fights because the villains have only two people apiece who they care about murdering mm. right now. So for gameplay reasons, is it fair to assume at least until the matchup changes, I only have to worry about Donto and the other team only has to worry about Galen? Yeah, that's the way it stands. The fire elemental Stellarosa summon at the end of the last episode are keeping the other combatants at bay. So you guys basically have your own boss fight in the middle of this larger war. You know how it is in Lord of the Rings films where it seems like all the characters who have names end up meeting in the middle of all the orcs. <laughs> yeah. That's what's happening. All right. So that's me, right? <laughs> it sure is. Let's get this popping off. Let's get it started in here. Yeah. <laughs> I want to start with Flame Strike because I can hit both of them at the same time, and that seems like a fun, good idea. Mm, nope, they're they're away from each other. Oh, they're not. They're not within ten feet of each other. Nope. Can you see the uh, roll twenty? The implication is that the two of us are close to Galen, and the other two are close to Danto, but we're not close to each other. <laughs> I'm still gonna Flame Strike him. All right, I have to make a Dexterity saving throw to not get Flame Struck. Nineteen. Well, shit. Nineteen. Nineteen <laughs> successfully saves, but I think it's still half damage. So you take, I guess that's seven and seven. So 14 of fire and radiant damage. That's rude. Mara's rude, crude, and full of zood. This is the most notes I've ever had. I think in a session, I have like a thousand sticky notes and like four books here. Mm-hmm. All right. Stella Rosa, Magnificent Legrand, your turn. Magnificent, please. Harumph. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's an accent mark in there for a reason. Galen just got blasted with fire. What's your? What are you doing with your dude? Uh, well, it's Danto, mm-hmm. as we can see, and he is a vampire, and uh, vampires have one good weakness to try to hit on. So I Stellarosa is going to cast Sunbeam. So this would be a Constitution saving throw normally. However, Stellarosa is the broken ass version uh, <laughs> subtype of a wizard where I can change the spell save. So I want to make an intelligence with the idea being <laughs> that she's firing out this laser beam in like complex patterns and his, uh, he has to be smart enough to know where it's going to be to dodge it. Okay. He actually is smarter than he is constitutional. So <laughs> so it's suddenly now just a constitution thing again. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right. Uh, re- regardless, it's an a- 18 to beat. Uh, seven. All right. That's not. Hold on. <laughs> All right. So Danto has his t- twin tailed blood whip and he's like, man, I sure do hate sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, howdy. I sure do hate sunlight. Seven is lower than 18. I just had to double check on that. Roll your damage, Goover. 29 radiant damage. Damn. And blind. He is blinded until the uh, until my next turn as well. Oh, heck. That's really rude. That is extremely rude. All right, so Veltari, it's your turn. Uh, so I'm just going to run in with my uh, nice fancy flaming sword because we got that, that salamander sheath late enough in the campaign. <laughs> I want to make some use out of it. So uh, Danto is blinded by the sunbeam, so you get advantage on everything you want to do. Oh, fantastic. Well, I get two attack Teamwork. Ro- I get two attack rolls. So I'm going to do first one is eight, but I get that with advantage. So it's 16. Does that hit? Does not. He is wearing armor this time. Aha. 
Well, let's roll the other attack while we're here then. Uh, 11, and because there's advantage, 11! I'm assuming that doesn't hit because it's lower than 16. Correct. He just, he's blinded, so he has one hand up to his eyes, and with the other, he's just flailing his blood whips wildly and keeping you at bay so you don't get a, get a shot off on him. So with my bonus action, I'm going to use Bardic Inspiration, that thing that I always forget that Veltari can do, which is like the primary thing she's supposed <laughs> to do as a bard. Uh, so uh, you get one, plus 1d10 next turn on your attack roll. Hot diggity. So I didn't land a hit, but I'm hoping that I can help you land one. <laughs> <laughs> so Veltari, you run forward with your flaming sword. You don't land a hit, but you sheathe it in one fluid motion, pull out your guitar, and send Celerosa some good magic. And now it's Roland's turn. Okay, um, so there was a the large uh, merciful sword that was dropped at the end of the last session. Is it on the ground at a place where Roland could retrieve it? Yeah, there are actually several on the battlefield because every time one of these guys dies, they drop one. Mm-hmm. So Roland's going to pick it up. He's going to use a second level spell slot to cast magic weapon on the sword itself and then move in to attack uh, Galen with that weapon. All right. 24 is the first attack roll. Yes, that hits. <laughs> He's not going to use smite just quite yet. So that's going to be just 2d12 plus three for the damage. So that's 15 magic damage. Second attack roll is 17. That's probably a miss. Uh, on Galen, yes, that misses. That is Roland's turn for the time being. All right, now it is Vampire's turn. First up, Danto is blinded, but he's going to try to whip Veltari. Whip, whip, uh, 18. Uh, my AC is 16, so that's a hit. Uh, you take 12 damage. In response to his first action, I want to use another thing I always forget to use, Hellish Rebuke. Oh no. That thing where I, I get to do some reaction damage. Uh, dexterity saving throw. Uh, 15. You had to hit a 16, so you take 3d10 fire damage. Goodness. Uh, 15 damage. Yep, Danto takes 15 damage as his whip triggers a fiery response as he is blasted. Uh, I'm also going to make a dexterity save as the manticore defends you. 16? Uh, 16 is the number to hit. All right, do I take half? Uh, you take half. And he takes six damage from spikes from the manticore. But that was Danto's first action. He actually has two attacks. Uh, 19 and 26. Good lord. 19. He's very strong. Uh, yeah, no, 19 hits me again. All right, it hits you again for 16 damage. But once again, the Manticore. And if you want to do Hellish Rebuke, it's up to you. Uh, just the Manticore this time. Uh, 12, so he fails. Three damage? Oof. Three damage. That's, mm, well, that's three more damage than I would have otherwise dealt. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Danto spends his turn blindly whipping Veltari, and Veltari is fighting back both with her Manticore spines and Hellish Fire. Galen is just going to attack Roland with his sword. Mm-hmm. Attack, attack, 17 and 13. 17 will hit because Roland does not have a shield out. Uh, 12 damage mm -hmm. to Roland as Galen clashes swords with you. Yours is magic, his is not. That's probably not going to go great for him. Mm -hmm. Mara, your turn. I'm going to do another flame strike because it's strong and I like it. Flame strike would probably hit both me and uh, Galen though, right? Okay, well then... Uh, Sacred shit. flame would be another option or you could use your other spells that do more uh, disabling. No, I'm going to do... Um... Uh, cure sacred flame, not cure runes. <laughs> That's the opposite of fire. Take that, Galen. <laughs> He's like, oh, thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> All right, dexterity saving throw eighteen. God damn it! You miss Galen. Yep. 
Also, you don't have your vow of pacifism anymore because you're being very rude. Oh, yeah. No, that was that was off the table immediately. They're angry vampires. All right. Stella Rosa, your turn. All right. Stella Rosa is holding the beam of light in her hand, and it's going to fire off another shot at uh, Danto. So he needs to make a saving throw. Uh, 13. That's a failure. So he will take 19 uh, damage. Can I add the D10 to that for Bardic Inspiration? Yes, you can. So 26 damage then, radiant damage. And he has blinded again. Oh no, so you move the sunbeam back onto him as his eyes clear up. He's like, ha ha, now finally I will be able to- Oh god, no, come oh, on! Oh, come on! <laughs> this is fucked up. You betray me and now this? Well, the, you, you saw our betrayal once. We don't want you to see it this time. <laughs> Veltari, your turn. Uh, I'm going to once again run in with my lovely flaming sword. So, uh, 19, does that hit? Yes, you finally hit somebody with the flaming <laughs> sword of forgiveness. I finally hit someone with the flaming forgiveness sword. This is very good. Uh, so that's six damage. And let's see if the second attack hits. The second one is 17. Does 17 hit? Sure does. <laughs> uh, so that's four. So a total of 10 fire damage. I really like this uh, teamwork. Stella Rosa keeps blinding Dante with this beam and Veltarik is running up and just needling him with a flaming sword. It's a very good look. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm enjoying that I'm actually getting to hit. Sure, sure it's someone <laughs> that I have advantage on because he's blind, who's already been killed once and betrayed, but <laughs> I'm just happy that I get to hit someone with the sword. We're a very efficient tag team. Yeah, thank you. The left and right hand go very well together, as if <laughs> as if the majority of people have both. <laughs> do you want to give another dice away before your turn's over? Uh, yeah, I can do that again this turn, can't as well. So, uh, can I can I just keep giving them to Stellarosa? Yeah, until you run out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, have another have another dice of inspiration. Woohoo! All right, rolling your turn. Galen has looks like he has much more health than Danto. They've been wrecking Danto's entire face region. Galen looks pretty hardy in hail. Yep. Uh, first attack against him, crit, and I'm going to invoke a divine smite on this process. Yep. Um, with a let's go with a second level spell slot here. So the damage is going to be f uh forty twelve. Oh. Plus um, 8d8 damage plus uh, 3. It's just because he said Danto was hurt more, wasn't it? Holy shit. So it's 70 damage. Um, the first 28 of that is magical. The remaining damage is radiant. <laughs> so your sword flares with radiant light and everyone looks over. The whole battle stops. Everyone turns and looks at you. And you're like, hey, guys, look how cool this is. <laughs> he's like swinging for like the home run kind of through Galen's body yeah so you and Galen were clashing swords and it seemed like a pretty even fight you have similar arms and armor and you both have the same training mm -hmm. but he does not have access to holy magic like you do and in fact he is weak to it so you slash him so 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 badly mm -hmm. you actually I think you just ram your sword through his chest and you pull it out and it's like if he wasn't undead he would be dead mm -hmm. like you, you can see his like heart in there not his, whoever whoever it was before he took the body. But yeah. my, my mistake, Austin, I forgot. Since I have magic weapon invoked, that's actually plus one extra to the damage. So it's 71 instead Christ. of 70. <laughs> all right, let me mark that down. Makes all the difference. Okay, my second attack. <laughs> 13, I miss. You do. Uh, now, actually, Danto and Galen look similarly damaged. They're about the same 
battle damage. <laughs> Danto has been burned repeatedly with a sunbeam, and Galen has been perforated with a huge sword. Uh, so now it is Vampire's turn. Danto, once again, is going to try to whip Veltari into shape with disadvantage. Boo. Uh, me again. What did, what did I ever do to you, Danto? Well, you're in melee range. If he tried to go after Celerosa, he would take an opportunity attack to get away from you. Fine. He's also blind. 17? Uh, 17 does hit. All right, and here's my second attack. 24. Okay, yep. Mm. Not great for you, huh? Not, not, not great for me. No, no. 25 damage as he lays into you with his blood whips. Yeah, yeah. Says so that t- that's twenty five total. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not doing I'm not doing the best I've ever done. What's your HP at? Uh, I'm down to like uh, I'm down to like six health. Yikes! He did hit you twice though. Do you want a manticore him? Uh, yes, I definitely want a manticore in response to uh, to both of his hits. Fail and fail. <laughs> Twenty damage. Nice. Nice, I definitely like this. He's trying to get out of the sunbeam. He's just walking forward, whipping you, whipping you, whipping you. And the manticore springs up in front of him and he just impales himself walking forward onto a (laughs) dozen spines. And you're both very badly injured. Veltari or Danto could die at any moment. You have six health and he has not much. He looks very bad. But yeah, this looks like it's going to be next hit wins on that fight. Uh, And now it is Galen's turn. Uh, He thinks Roland is going to kill him probably, but luckily he's a zombie and he doesn't really care. So, bless you. Thank you. That was an adorable sneeze. (laughs) Thank you. Galen is going to use all of his strength left to try to murder Roland. 20 and 22. Both attacks hit. All right. This is probably his last gasp, too. They're going with everything they have. 38 damage. Uh, That brings you down to 55 hit points. All right. Oh, man. If he only had like one or two more turns, he might have you. All right, Mara, it's your turn. You see you see Roland and Galen ca- crossing swords. They're very evenly matched, but that radiant damage looks like Roland's going to pull out on top. What do you do? Okay, so I'm going to cast a uh, hold person mm. on Galen. All right. So he can suck it. Uh, so it's a wisdom saving throw. 22. God damn. Oh, no, that's that you rolled you roll 40. That's- 12 plus 2. <laughs> that's, oh, not a, that's, not a, that's not a proper roll there, Austin. I didn't change out the... I'm a dummy. <laughs> How about eight? That's close to 22. Nope. So he is held. Mara, you raise your hand and you summon and you cast whole person on him. At first he's like, ha ha, it failed. Oh God, no, please. (laughs) As you crush his arms to his side. uh, That's not great for him. Okay. And then Veltari, I'm deciding it's an executive decision. She's close enough. I'm going to cast healing word at us. Third. So I'm going to do third. Yeah. So it's going to be 12. Veltari. I am slightly less squishy. Uh, helps, right? <laughs> that that definitely helps. I, I now am not guaranteed to die next time I'm hit with something. Just in case. Veltari, have you thought about how you would fight with no eyes? Um, I, I, about the same way that I currently fight, wave the sword around and probably not hit anything. Oh... All right, Stellarosa, it's your turn. You see in front of you, Viltari and Danto are locked in a death spiral. They're both bleeding very badly. Danto is impaled on a bunch of manticore spines. Veltari has like all of her arteries slashed open with a blood whip. And you are full HP standing off to the side. <laughs> Just like a wizard should be. 
<laughs> just like a bard probably should be. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to use the sunbeam again. Oh, dang. I, I was trying to find what the, the move uh, Ten Shinhan used to shout out when he was like just keeping Cell blocked, like blasted down into the ground over and over again. But I couldn't remember the name of it offhand. Nerd. Eight. All right. He will take 39 damage. 39 radiant damage. And you're blinded. Oh, gosh. All right. So this <laughs> this is the scene. Veltari and Danto are like nose to nose. They're both bleeding all over each other in between them. All, the only thing separating them is this ghostly manticore. And he's like trying to walk up the spines. And then you are there and you can move the sunbeam one last time. And you are blessed with the holy knowledge that this is enough HP to kill him. Do you want to say anything? <laughs> I found the move name now. So, yeah, she's going to shout, Key, Ko, Ho, and fucking sunbeam blast this dude into oblivion. Uh, wow, Stella Rosa is as much of a nerd as uh, Zoe is. That's the incantation for the spell in my head canon. All right, so the sunbeam rolls over him and he is reduced to dust uh, as he dies. His, he's like being, once again, just and totally disintegrated and his molecule is scattered to the wind. He has enough strength to give one last push up the manticore's spines to try to get to Veltari. And he like breaches out with his, with his vampire fangs. He lunges at Veltari's neck just as he turns to dust and disintegrates. And you feel like a puff of dust against your neck, Veltari. At this point, I turn to Stellarosa and I simply say, I really hope he stays gone this time. Cause I really thought the first time we turned him to dust would have done it. Yeah. About that. I'm kind of curious about that. As to that myself. You guys actually have no idea why this army is here. I think you probably just assumed that the paladins are getting retribution for you killing their leaders. But the soul thing is definitely weird and will give you pause. There's a lot about this that just doesn't seem quite right right now. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, initially, I think Veltari's assumption would have been, wait, we got rid of Danto's body. Why does Danto have a body? And then it's, oh, Danto's soul is probably in another body. Wait, what's going on with that? There's a lot of questions. Yep. And Voltari, it's your turn in this combat. Uh, can we get to the other combat encounter? Yeah. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna head over. Head over there. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm gonna run up with the flame sword and try and slash him with the flame sword. Slash slash rolling with the flame sword. That seems kind of weird. No, I'm gonna try and slash Galen with the flame sword. <laughs> oh, oh, well, you have advantage on the attack roll because he's paralyzed. Again, when I'm fighting enemies that I have advantage against, things seem to go okay. <laughs> uh, so the first one is nine, assuming that doesn't hit. Oh no, with advantage. Yep. Twenty one. Does twenty one hit? Sure does. And we'll see if the second one hits while we're here. The second one is a twenty four. You hit twice with the flaming sword. Love it. That's 20 damage. Damn. All right. So you run up behind Galen, whose arms are held to his side by Mara, and you plunge the flaming sword through the back of his head. Teamwork. Um, And it comes out his forehead, and he just like gurgles, and you do it again. And he looks very bad. I mean, he would be dead, obviously, if he wasn't an undead creature. But with two stab wounds in his face and his entire body having been bisected which seems to have somehow spiritually carried over to this body there's like a burning scar halfway up his body he looks at roland and he just growls like you motherfucker <laughs> uh, <laughs> he just growls cowards <laughs> and it's your turn roland last time i checked cowards are ones who hide behind others 
because of their own weaknesses. Isn't that right, Galen? And then attack. First attack is a 23. Hits. Second attack is a crit again. <laughs> 40 damage. Yeah. <laughs> Roland basically mm, add two extra slashes through his body across the shoulders and across the torso so that there's the one that's up to and down the center and now there's one from one shoulder to the hip and one from the other shoulder across to the hip as well. You turn him into a human tic-tac-toe board? Is that what you just said to me? Uh, uh, no, 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 no. It, it's the crosses. So it's like an X across his chest. Oh. Yeah. That's also good. <laughs> as Galen's head, head, head is suspended in the air since it's still penetrated on Veltari's sword. Oh, yeah. I love that. And the rest of the body falls to the ground. Oh, that's really good. Veltari, Galen's head still impaled on your flaming sword. What are you going to do with that, fool? Uh, I'm just going to look him in the eye and go, really shouldn't have mocked my inability with this sword, should you, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So all around you guys, there's still the sounds of battle. There's still people dying all around you. You guys see a blade singer go down. You guys see a wolf take some pretty bad hits. Uh, He can regenerate, but not when eight people are chopping him into bits, which is happening. Uh, You guys see a Bozog go down. It's, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot of carnage. I don't want to, I don't want to underplay it. Like this is a comedy show, but it is a hundred verse 70. So it's close and a lot of bad stuff's happening, but you are still struck by the mystery of what you just faced. Like Hmm. vampires. Yes. But, the returned souls of the people you have defeated before. That's very strange. And as you're pondering that you see wading through battle, carrying a bone spear is Theodore, the skeleton. Oh, I'm so proud of him. Yeah. <laughs> how, what, how is he dressed again? I just want to get that on tape again. Top hat, fake mustache, monocle, cape. And he has this big spear made out of bones and he's kind of almost like dancing through the crowds stabbing people with it he's very fluid and elegant because that's how you wanted him to be and you see him wading through this crowd killing people and that has to ring some alarm bells for you and you actually see as he's stabbing and walking he's making a beeline for claire elise legrand whose back is to theodore if I still have the ability to, I want to, because I'm. she's still concentrating, to sunbeam Theodore and keep him from getting to Claire. Okay, so now the race is, can you get the sunbeam to Theodore before he stabs Claire Elise in the back? And at that point, we're going to switch scenes. <laughs> oh no! Uh, Theodora, you were told by Gonador to hang back because Zoe Legrand, the person you are here to kidnap, disappeared. Right. So you are flying up, you know, 100 feet in the sky back from the battle, just watching it go on below you, waiting for instruction when Gondor says, The witch's house. All right. So I'm going to fly to the witch's house. All right. That's probably what you should do. Uh, You land outside of Sylvia Bell's house. Uh, You open the door and you see cowering in the kitchen are Sylvia Bell, Penny, the pawnbroker, and Winifred, the non-combatants of Ilium. And they see you come in and they shrink back because your eyes are pure black and you are radiating evil energy. And Winifred says, Dora, what's going on? Don't worry about it. I'm worrying about it. Just sure, stay in your corner. I, 
I can't. What are you trying? I can't let you do this. I'm your boy, Winnie. I know. So stay in the corner and just hide there. It's fine. Just stay there. Don't move. Uh, uh, and nothing will happen, right? What are you doing? What is happening? Why are your eyes weird? Shit happens. All right. So, Theodora, I assume you just walk past leaving these former friends huddled and you start searching the house. Yeah. Whereupon you find the glass room. The room Sylvia has dedicated solely to repairing the mirrors. They're just piles and piles of glass sorted by size and type. Mm -hmm. And in the corner, there is a golden orb. I'm going to pick up that orb. You don't know exactly what the hell is going on at the surface. There's like a thousand puzzles on it, uh, but they don't seem to have been solved. Okay. Gonador says, She's inside. Uh, How do I get inside there, Ganny? You need the power of guilt. I gotta feel guilty. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you nearly had a moment of clarity there, and I love the role play, where you're like, wait, do I have to feel bad? Oh, no, there's a big orb full of energy. Never mind. <laughs> All right, I'm going to take that ball. I'm going to head to that orb. All right, so you start walking. Uh, you walk out of the glass room. You walk back across Sylvia's house, and you're leaving to try to get the orb that used to be on top of the sacrum, which is full of guilt's energy, which you could use to break open the mystery orb of Ogma. And as you run across the room, uh, confidently striding in front of your cowering friends, uh, something falls from the ceiling and lands on top of you with all of its body weight. It is the stalker. Fuck. Strength contest as it tries to hold you to the floor and squirm inside your mouth. All right. Six. Please roll low. Fourteen. Suck it. Oh, heck. So the, the stalker body slams you from the ceiling with several gallons of water and it knocks you down but you roll out before it can slither down your throat and you see it take the form of a young Aladrin boy and start walking towards you i'm just gonna fly away <laughs> so you just you just run away yeah i just want to get this fucking thing open all right so you just do you just blast the door off its hinges with an eldritch blast and fly off into the night yeah all right so you leave the stalker alive undead for now and you fly off towards the orb that used to be on top of the sacrum and so you fly off into the night. So while that's happening, we have one more scene transition, which is, you guys remember Zoe Legrand? Who? Nope. The McQuare? <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. A very obscure character. Uh, she used to be the McQuare, and she got sucked into the Morb. This is the world we choose to live in. Apparently. I had no idea you were going to do that. I thought this was going to be, this was going to turn out totally differently, but I do love how this turned out, <laughs> which is Zoe Legrand, you awaken on a floor. Is the good floor? It's gold. That's a pretty good floor. Sounds pretty good. And you kind of pull yourself up to your feet. You're drooling a bit. You see that you were surrounded by gold everywhere. There's gold on the ceiling, gold on the walls, gold on all of the bookcases, of which there are literally infinite. I think I broke it. <laughs> uh, you are in what appears to be the universe's largest library. There's bookcase after bookcase after bookcase, all gold covered in each one filled to the brim with golden books, none of which are marked. There doesn't seem to be like a Dewey Decimal system. It just seems like for every bit of knowledge that could exist, it is recorded in a book here. Uh, so she'll uh, call out. At this point, just see if there's anything, anyone else here, essentially. So what do you say? Just like, hello, is anyone else here? Did I break reality? (laughs) 
you do hear uh, sounds uh, deeper into the library. It doesn't sound like uh, like fully formed words, but it sounds like some something, somebody maybe deeper in. Uh, I'm going to go towards that deeper in sound person then. All right. So you walk between the rows of bookcases. There's just books upon books upon books. Just there is no end, both that you can see and just I'm telling you <laughs> that the way this infinite library of gold works is that everything that could ever be known is here. And you see all of the accumulated knowledge of history stretched out before you. And as you get closer to the sound, uh, you turn a corner and you see uh, there is a man sitting on the floor, uh, his back up against one of the bookcases. Uh, this man has uh, red hair, red facial hair. He kind of looks like a, a Celtic man who could be somewhere between the ages of like 30 and 40. It's not clear if it's like an old guy who has some vitality or a young guy who's like been through some shit. It could be either. He is, his age is strangely hard to put down, but he's sitting on the floor and you see his sleeve and mouth uh, have blood on them. Uh, are you okay? Ah, uh, not by half, girl. I want to cast Cure Light Wounds on him. Uh, he sees you summoning magic and he says, Ah, there's no point, Missy. I'm afraid uh, I, it's too late for me. What? Why? It's almost funny. All of us. 10,000 gods murdered by a single Nixie. Dora? What do you mean? She's the one who undid our plan to stop death from coming. The outer plane death thing? Pure death. A death that we never knew. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Who are you? Where? Where is this? The name's Ogma. This, <laughs> this is where, this is where the magic happens. <laughs> I'm glad you have a sense of humor, even in that state. That's that's good to have. <laughs> he coughs hard, and you see blood on his hand when he does so. What 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 can we do to like stop this from happening? What what can we do to stop death? <laughs> you can't stop death, young miss. Death is inevitable. We tried to put it off, but 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 there's like zombies and vampires and a whole bunch of like undead stuff out there. So like maybe something like that. Death and undeath as you know them are more malleable than what is what has arrived. True death. The kind of thing that immortals have trouble even contemplating. It's funny. <laughs> People thought they were demons at first. They sacrificed to them, built myths Temples, relics, but in the end, if only they could have been demons, that would have been so much simpler. So it's kind of like, there's basically a moment where Zoe starts to kind of like recognize uh, the gravity of this situation. And uh, she's just going to kind of solemnly say, or what can you tell me about this that I should know if there's not much time left? Well, that's always been the question, hasn't it? I left my gift on the prime material for those with selfless desires to help change the world and guide it when I could not intervene. I wanted to use it to help my friend get her dad back. Is that still possible? He, he smiles and he like reaches behind him and pulls a book off the shelf and he hands it to you. 
It's unmarked. It's just a gold book with gold pages. And he says, this was your wish. And you can change the world. And you can bring back a man so he can spend what time he has left with his daughter. But then he too will join us. So he's going to open the book? Mm-hmm. Is, I'm assuming, is it like blank inside? You open it and it, you don't perceive it as like symbols on a page, as like language. This isn't um, like semiotics. The way we've kind of discussed before. I don't know how it keeps coming back to this. I'm a nerd. Uh, you just know what's inside. So you know now where all the pieces to Warden Light's mirror are. You know that. So he's going to ask then, so is there no way to stop what's happening to all the gods? Even if we could kill death, what kind of world would that be? Well, I mean, guilt went away, but people can still feel guilty and things like that right yes guilt went away and death will go away sometime too but its touch can never be erased from this world mortality has arrived and it has marked us all you know i never really got like the gods and stuff like that i don't know i guess it was hard to like worship somebody you haven't met or anything but i'm sorry this is happening to you I hope that you will find it in your heart to help me now, in my final hours, do one last act of good in this world. Anything. What's up? (laughs) He he smiles. Do you help him up? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. All right. So he kind of walks, uh, leaning on you a little bit down the rows of books and... Of course, there's no like numbering system. There's no possible way to figure out where one should be going, but he's the god of knowledge, so of course he knows. And he gets to a, a book, some number of bookcases down, and pulls it out and opens it. And he says, Have you ever heard of Carceri? No. So you know the most famous planes. Hell, the lawful evil, the abyss the chaotic evil, Mount Celestia, the lawful good. Carceri is a neutral evil plane for those with selfishness, but no code in particular. It is the perfect prison. Prison? For two? For tens of millions of souls throughout history. It is the archetype of all prisons. Every prison that's ever been built has been a shadow of this plane that is itself a prison. And with your permission, I would like to send someone there. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's me. Unfortunately, it is necessary that you go as well, but you are not my target. Okay. We cannot allow this library to fall into Gonador's hands. If you thought he was dangerous before, imagine if he had all of the world's knowledge and a limited lifespan within which to wreak havoc. We cannot allow such a thing to happen. Okay, so who do you want to send? His avatar. So you want his avatar to go there to help make it so he won't... Oh wait, I got it. I figured it out what you're going for. Okay. <laughs> Have you? I Yeah, well, you mean you want me to put Dora in that prison? 
I will use the last of my strength to turn my gift to humanity into a portal to Carceri, transporting her to an inescapable prison where she will wander in loneliness for all of her days. However, you, Zoe Legrand, are also currently within my gift. So if I send Dora there, then I go too. I am sorry. No, it's, um, no, I, it, it's okay. I think that's, yeah, yeah, I'll, I could do that. Um, but is there one other thing I can ask if you might be able to do me as a favor? Of course. So I had this whole wild magic thing <laughs> and it's done a lot of really weird and pretty awful things. I mean, I got these bitchin' wings out of it, but um, <laughs> some pretty awful stuff happened. But one really, really good thing happened, too. And I got a new member of my family, but she only has a fraction of my soul since she was just a shard of it. Could you give her the rest of her half? What do you think a soul is? Zoe Legrand. Uh, it's like a person's like spirit or something, like kind of where all their emotions and stuff are. Emotions are chemicals. Cortisone, epinephrine, these things do not make a person. The soul is the perfect form of a life. So it's like the totality of a being, kind of. Claire Elise Legrand had her own soul the moment she made a choice for herself as her own person. So there'll just be kind of like a nice sigh of relief from Zoe at that point. <laughs> and uh, she says, okay, so what do I need to do? All right, so Zoe Legrand and Ogma are going to have a conversation in the Golden Library of All Knowledge. <laughs> Meanwhile, Stellarosa Legrand, you are trying to trying to run over Theodore the Skeleton with a sunbeam before he can stab Claire Elise Legrand. If Stellarosa, you know, she's very smart, mm -hmm. would she be able to calculate the idea of like, oh, the sunbeam's not going to reach in time? I think they're going to get there simultaneously. It, it, actually, I had an idea to throw in here the idea of Roland using the large metal sword he has to help refract the light faster over towards the skeleton that that is a good one the idea i had was if she sees that it's not it wouldn't reach in time she would cast uh dimension door to teleport in between ascent like to intercept essentially Roland shouts out to Stella Rosa, aim your light at me, I'll guide it through. Stella Rosa will do just that, and she'll turn her beam and have this complex uh, geometry equation going on in her head as she tries to <laughs> Legend of Zelda beam reflect this off. I mean, we have the two characters of the party with 20 intelligences trying to pull this off, so I think... You guys are both the trigonometry lady meme. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is the ultimate gambit, you know... 
Oh, Theodore failed his dexterity saving throw to get out of the way of that sunbeam, huh? Seven. Mm. Mm. All right, so the sunbeam reflects off of Roland's sword and goes through Theodore, blasting him away. And next to you, Celerosa, you hear a voice say, Aw, you tried to save me. Oh, when 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 did you get there? I mean, you know, it's just the the notion of our forces are stronger the more individuals that we have within it, obviously. So if I can protect any of our fighting force, that obviously is the optimal solution to our battle strategy. <laughs> you see the other Claire Elise that Theodore almost stabbed walk run off into the battle, uh, flickering and passing through bodies as it goes because it's an illusion that Claire can do as part of her uh, cloakers suite of features. You should have let us know, obviously. I mean, the battle strategy was was modified by that. I almost teleported in to intercept that blow, you know. You would take a spear to the gut for me? I mean, I had backup plans, so I don't know if I would have actually have taken the entire brunt of the blow, rather than deflected it and saved both of us. But yes, I was willing to put myself in mortal danger for you. Aw, maybe you don't smell. Everyone smells. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, She says, hey, can you get me up real high? I want to throw a fireball down on a bunch of guys. That's parlor tricks. And yeah, she'll cast a fly on... Claire. I forgot her name for a moment. She'll cast fly on Claire. <laughs> All right. Smell you later. And she flies off into the sky and starts casting fireball at her highest level down into crowds of undead. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is her. This is like everything she's lived for. Mm-hmm. She so wanted to actually kill people with fireballs. She's in heaven. Mm-hmm. And also there are a bunch of copies of her running around. And <laughs> the zombies don't know what to do about that. It, it's funny because it's almost like they're having a, a sisterly moment. It's like, hey, Come, throw me up in the high, sky really high. It's like, okay, little sister. Mm-hmm. Wee! And an explosion. <laughs> Push me on the swing. Watch them die. Watch them die. <laughs> Watch me kill. Watch me kill. Watch me kill. And so our heroes, Mara Sladen, Roland Hawklight, Veltari, and Stellarosa Legrand are about to rejoin the battle when flying in from actual Ilium, because you guys are still in the field of lilies, is our good friend. Theodora the Nixie. Hi. Uh, and you alight on the orb, which has been moved from its original place and like covered in a tarp because it was shooting off light that was really bright. And now you guys have access to the sun, so you don't need it anymore. But now you are on top of the orb. All right. Um, well, can I try just sm- smashing the orb against the orb mm. as hard as I can? You can absolutely do that. Can you make an attack roll? 21. All right, so... You smack the mystery orb into, I can't believe I call, I have two distinct, very plot important orbs in this campaign. That doesn't surprise me. It's the Morbin Lorb, okay? I, you think it was a deliberate, like, motif, but I'm just a goober. That's what's happening. Um, and the, you hit it full on and it doesn't seem to damage it. You're just hitting the glass encasing. You're not hitting, like, energy inside or anything. And glass does not beat God. Also, there's, like, a tarp in between the two things. Oh, well, I just had assumed I would have moved the tarp because I'm not an idiot. All right, so you yank the tarp off of... I'm just going to call this one the sphere. Now, that's easier. You pull the tarp off the sphere, and suddenly the battlefield is blasted by a sun amount of light. And everyone turns and looks. So I don't know if you're trying to be stealthy about this, but... 
I'm hoping I can smush it before anybody <laughs> before anybody gets to me. We're all aware that like Dora is up there and and messing with the sphere, right? Now you are. Yeah, it's hard to see though with all the light. You just see her outline. She's like standing, and there's just like a, a you know, it's like staring into the sun, and you just see like a, a Theodora shaped outline. It's really creepy. Okay, everyone, we might want to go deal with this because um, Dora and the sphere is uh. Suddenly makes a bit more sense out of what's going on, I guess. So the party is going to run yep. through the through the light to get to Theodora? While they're running, one of the things Roland is going to do is um, blow, uh, blow his lay on hand. Um, Grant Veltari and himself each 25 hit points from it. Thank you very much. Yeah, if you guys want to heal up before the final boss fight, now is the ideal time. Mm. <laughs> that is very much appreciated, Roland. Thank you. All right, so as you guys run through the artificial sunbeam emanating from the sphere, you're healing up each other up. Theodore, you can see them running towards you. It's just you and the party, basically. And the sphere's underneath you. It's full of the rainbow energy that you have seen so many times. And you're holding this golden puzzle sphere that you couldn't solve in a trillion lifetimes. But what are you going to (sighs) do? Well, smashing it against it didn't work. No, because glass does not beat God. I'm trying to get the energy from inside the orb, right? Correct. I still have those needles. No, you do not. No, I do not. Dragon staff. But I have a staff that I keep forgetting I have. <laughs> Christ and a cracker. All right, so can I smack the the big orb? With There's so many orbs. I would love it if you did. Yeah, let's kill this sphere so we never have to talk about it again. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to smack it. I'm just like a fucking, I'm fucking playing baseball with it. All right, so you lift your dragon bone staff sky high. It roars like a dragon as it becomes enveloped in godly magic, and you stab it down into the sphere. And suddenly, there is an eruption as the energy inside geysers out uh, in a perfect column, not dissimilar from... The barrier that once surrounded Ilium. You can actually see it from space. So just as there was once a huge column that enveloped the whole town and went up infinitely, there is suddenly just a geyser of magic energy that shoots up out of the sphere infinitely as the whole thing empties into the sky. And there's just this stream of guilt's raw power. And from this stream, you guys actually see like the ghostly images of the things that guilt was imprisoning you with. So Veltari, as you're running towards the sphere, you see like the ghost of young Veltari kind of walk by you. And Roland, you see the slain uh, headmasters from Ninsen Chapel and they walk by you and you see uh, just the bodies of orcs strewn all around you. And Stella Rosa, you see uh, Zoe Legrand like in her bed as you were standing over her when you inflicted wild magic on her. And Mara, you see the blood farm and all those people that you couldn't help as they were being drained and fed to vampires. And you just see all these ghostly apparitions all around you as guilt leaks out of the sphere. I'm going to put that little orb inside that that stream of energy. All right. So the party's running up trying to stop you from doing this. And you plunge the mystery orb into the stream of guilt's energy. And it explodes Ow. like a bomb as back in the library Agma and Zoe turn it into a portal to Carceri. Oops. And from that explosion from the mystery orb meeting the stream 
uh, there becomes an enormous black hole in the center of Ilium. And Theodora sucked in, Roland Hawklight sucked in, Mara Sladen sucked in, Veltari sucked in, and Stellarosa Legrand is sucked in. In the library, Zoe, you are sucked in, uh, Ogma sucked in, the library collapses, and you guys all are transported to Carceri, an entire plane that is one big prison. Hmm. <laughs> nice. Oh, I get it now. It's like incarcerated, isn't it? I can't take credit for that one. That's canon D&D, baby. This isn't, this isn't ideal, is it, huh? It does seem like a cool place for our final boss battle, though. It does. It does. doesn't seem like a cool place to escape from a final boss fight, but we'll we'll see how that goes when we get there. I'd like to think that when Theodora put the orb in the, the light, she felt really smug and went, Suck it, losers! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you guys yell anything back at her? Because you're, like, running with all of your might trying to get there before she can do this thing, which, as far as you guys know, is going to, like, destroy everything. And you guys just see her, like, with a fucking cheeky grin as she puts the orb into the stream. Dora, I know this looks pretty metal, but I'm really... This isn't a good plan. (laughs) Uh, I have a comment for after the black hole comes out and we all get drawn in. Looks like you're the one that got sucked up, Dora. So Dora says suck it, and then you guys get sucked into a a fucking prison dimension. And the first thing Roland says is, no, you suck it. (laughs) (laughs) Guess that means this is the loser's bracket now, isn't it? As always, I'd like to thank Overclocked Remix for our theme music, including Vampire Spanker, an arrangement of Vampire Killer from Castlevania, and Destiny Forgotten, an arrangement of Simple and Clean from Kingdom Hearts. Executive producers for the month of November 2017 are Kerstin Haslinger, Jade, Extellaris, Joseph Tombrello, The Cult of Gorfanax, Dr. Goatman, Irving Royale, Ken Fersel, Andrew Grothen, Paul Mullen, Levi the Young, Luke Powers, Michael Goodell, Brent, Kevin Dobbins, Anthony Sauvier, Scott Cummings, Andrew McKitty, Juman Jack, Gwillem Evans, Mel Tiche, George Soros, Arjun DeConing, Grimlock, John Potts, Dawson Parr, Noah Sudret, Ziphosaurus, Elderly Goose, Salad Child, Seraph Stone, Thorsten Gross, Devin Smith, Castor UK, Aki Savalainen, The Paladin's Wife, Florian H., Charm Wilkie, Junk 2.0, Dominic Bowden, Melissa Nielsen, Don, Eugene T, Pruitt Holcomb, Artemis BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Bristol, Francois V, Shyness, Dennis Pancake Detlefson, Ripter Stormwolf, Miko from Finland, Dennis Bengston, Josh Mosier, Indigo Van Dane, Allison Ansel, Sydney Marzing, Just a Jester, Savard and Akrisimova, Brady Warner, 
Kitty Foe, James Neely, Marissa Donaldson, Melanie Joe, Lana Seawolf, Toby Gleason Stack, Ruby Offer, Sarah Hanley, Melissa Booker, Cameron Abbas, Dylan, Gary Sayon, Anna Stulfar, Sean the host of Funk Dog Plays, Harrison Andrew, Kevin Sidlow, Christopher Charlo, Jorit, Viger Arnston, Cody Jackson, August Rue, Michael Hall, Athos, and Ingmar Gremmen. And a special wedding congratulations to the Hadsels. If you want to join this list, you can support the show at patreon.com slash austinyorski, and you can support Chris at patreon.com slash recap, as well as supporting Laura by reading her work at kotaku.co.uk. You can help support the show indirectly by finding us on Google Play, Podbean, iTunes, and anywhere else where you download podcasts and liking, subscribing, or however else you can interact with media in whatever year you're listening to this. As we near the end of season three, let's all cross our fingers that all the big questions are answered. Questions like, how many more names can we add to the producers list at the end before we have to spin off the end credits into their own podcast? And will we finally have a season that doesn't end in a total party kill? And of course, the question on everybody's lips, will Leon ever return? Don't take my word for it. Let's hear what he has to say. You, oh God. You quit. No. Um, no, I I very I very much uh, quit. Yeah. Uh, very abruptly. Yeah. Uh, it, it is absolutely not Austin's fault. I decided for my own reasons to leave. And I think it's actually worked out pretty well for everybody. Like you clearly weren't ha- in taking. You know, you weren't getting anything from it anymore. And we brought Laura Kate Dale on, and she's been an absolute joy. I think the show is better for it. And while I love what you brought to the game, I also thought you know the show has kind of gone in a different direction it's it's everything has worked out great but you have to put that cool. work in and you have to have the right expectations i think um, i think leon just missed me <laughs> <laughs>